Hi, my name is John. I'm one of the pastors here at the Tabernacle. Thank you for tuning in today to listen or watch uh, one of our messages online. I'm standing inside uh, T2, which is our new building project that we've been working on uh, for about the last six months. We're in the final phases right here. On a normal weekend, we have four services, uh, and, and we just don't have space to put people here anymore. But we're excited because God's changing lives, not just here in Buckley. God's also changing lives all across the United States and all across the world where people are tuning in to be a part of our church. We want to invite you to be a part of this. It's called The Big Give. And between now and the end of the calendar year, our hope, our prayer is to raise $175,000 to help us uh, continue with this project. If you'd like to be a part of that, we invite you to go to our website at thetabchurch.com where you can participate online. Thank you, and we hope you enjoy the message. For Moses writes about the righteousness which is of the law. The man who does those things shall live by them. But the righteousness of faith speaks in this way. Do not say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven? That is, to bring Christ down from above. Or, who will descend into the abyss? That is, to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is, the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, Whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Good morning again, Tabernacle. Uh, in, in case you weren't here for the beginning, uh, for the opening, my name is Brian. I'm one of the pastors here. Again, so glad that you decided to join us this morning. Uh, we're, we're deep into Romans, and uh, we've been having some fun with it for about a year and a half now, actually, on and off. We've been going through Romans uh, with some other series in between there. And so at this rate, I was kind of doing some calculations. We're, in, we're, we're starting out in Romans 10, and uh, I, th I think we'll be done... With, uh, with the Roman series in about 2020, I believe. So uh, buckle up, we're going to be in Romans for a while, and uh, that's, that's something we love to do is just go verse by verse, chapter by chapter, and just go through the Bible. Uh, that's probably the best way to learn, the best way to, to grow, because it makes you have to, to deal with some of the, the more difficult issues. Uh, John was in Canada this weekend. He was speaking at a Promise Keepers event. Don't worry, he wasn't fleeing the country for political reasons or anything like that. He wasn't those people. He just, he just wanted to, uh, to, to go to Promise Keepers. He got invited to go speak there, and so he was there. Um, so with this message that we're going to be doing uh, this, this morning, there's a danger in, in letting it kind of just fly by, especially with this passage of Scripture. There's a danger in just saying, okay, I know what this is already. I can check out a little bit. There's a danger in, in, in forgetting about the big things that we stand for, the big rocks as we call them. And okay, yeah, I know this, so we can just keep going on and on and on. Because what we've learned through, through science and trial and error and all that kind of stuff is that uh, there's something called the law of thermodynamics, 
which is a, a big word, and I don't know all of it. Last night, someone was like, yeah, I know all about the laws of thermodynamics. I was like, you're a much smarter person than I am. Uh, but I know about the second law of thermodynamics. That is that everything moves towards disorder. Everything goes towards disorder. Everything goes towards chaos. It's called entropy. It's called entropy. That means that if you leave stuff alone, it doesn't magically get better. It gets worse in this world. If you have children or grandchildren and, and they, uh, they have to clean their room. And let's say they actually do clean their room. And then uh, you don't look at their room for two, three weeks. If you go into that room in two or three weeks, what's going to happen in that room? It's going to be a complete disaster zone. You're going to have to call in relief. It's going to be a state of emergency in, in the state of Michigan for that child's bedroom. I know because that's uh, how my kids are, and that's how I am, to be honest. Like, I'm, I'm one of those people, too. So, uh, so if we just leave things alone, they're not going to get better. If we don't maintain things, if we don't keep going back to the big things, uh, it's going to get worse. It gets worse. That's just the law of, of the world, is that if you leave something alone and don't maintain it, it gets worse. It's the same thing with our vehicles. If you're not changing the oil, if you're not um, doing things to vehicles that you should be doing. I don't know anything about cars. So uh, if, if, you're not, if you're not changing the brakes on them, I mean, at some point, you're just not going to be able to stop. That's, everything goes towards chaos. Everything goes towards disorder. So the danger in, in missing out on this passage of Scripture or glossing over this passage of Scripture is we start to take these things for granted and then we start to lose focus. And so I just want to make sure that that's, that's clear that you've probably heard this message a thousand times if you've grown up in the church. But I just, I'm just going to ask you, don't, don't check out, don't see what's happening in, in Facebook world or Twitter world or Instagram world or any other world um, except what's happening here. And, and, and um, I'm just going to take a moment, if we can, and, and pray that God speaks um, to each one of us. Heavenly Father, thank you so much uh, for this morning. Thank you for um, allowing us to come and, and worship you. God, these broken vessels that we are. God, I pray that we don't gloss over certain parts of Scripture because they're familiar to us. God, I pray that we, we would let you speak to us this morning. And it's in your precious name we pray. Amen. All right, so uh, Johnny Cash read uh, Romans for us. That was the intro video. That was Johnny Cash. Thanks, Johnny. Um, R.I.P. Johnny. Um, but we're in, we're in Romans chapter 10, and we're starting out in verse 5. I'm going to read from the NLT because uh, it's a little bit easier to understand the N, than the NKJV. So there's just some different words that are used. Uh, it all means the same thing. It's just uh, some people can understand different words better than, than others. And so I'm one of those people that likes to use really simple words. Um, and sometimes I'll study really hard and come at you with entropy and thermal laws of dynamics or thermal... Whatever that was. So you have already forgotten. Um, so anyway, verse 5 says, For Moses writes that the law's way of making a person right with God requires obedience to all of its commands. And I'll stop right there. <clears throat> Mosaic law is something in the Old Testament. And that was something where there were 600 and some odd laws, there was like 613 laws that had to be followed in order to be right with God. 
And if we didn't follow those, those rules, if we didn't follow those laws, then a sacrifice would have to have been made. We had to sacrifice animals in the Old Testament. Everything was leading up to the cross. So if you didn't follow some of those 613 laws, then you had to go and, and you had to, to, to make a sacrifice for, uh, for, for, the, for the atonement for your sins that you had committed, broken those commands, broken those laws. And there are 613 of them. That's a lot. That's a lot of, of rules to follow. And last week we, we learned about how God is holy. And it makes sense that there's 613 laws in order to be uh, made right with God in the Old Testament because of who He is. God is perfect. And so we have to follow all of these commands in, in Mosaic law to also be made right with Him. Now I'm thinking to myself, I'm trying to think of Brian Williams, that's me, not the news guy, in... In Old Testament times, under Mosaic law, Brian Williams would be in a lot of trouble. I'm an absent-minded person. (laughs) Not a good start. I can't, I'm just going to level with you. Uh, I can't remember half the time what I'm leaving a room for to go get something or what I left that room to go do. I don't know if any of you can, can relate to that. You walk out of the room, you're like, I left this room for a reason. And now I don't remember what it is anymore. Like, I'm an absent-minded person. I, I lost my, uh, my car keys for a couple of days. Thankfully, I had a spare set. Uh, come to find out, they were just in a different pocket of my jacket. I found them this, uh, last night. <laughs> they were just in a different pocket in my jacket. I put them up here instead of down here. And I lost them for two days. I'm not following 613 commands. That's just, I'm going to forget one. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step over the line and be like, oh, yep, there it was. I, I forgot. Uh, I've, I've recently lost my Yeti cup. And if you've been in church here for a little while, you know how much my Yeti cup means to me. I still don't know where it is. And I'm a little bit heartbroken over that because I misplaced it yesterday and now I'm not sure where it is. I think the Yetis took it. I don't, I don't know what happened, but... Um, what I'm saying is that we can't possibly hold those 613 laws. It's impossible to do. And God knew that. God knew that. A few years ago, before, I, uh, before we moved up here, um, my wife and I got invited by some friends of ours. And... Uh, they were a little bit more wealthy than, than we are, and they went to a charity auction, and they, they bid on a, like a six-hour yacht trip thing in Petoskey that they got to go spend on a yacht in, in Petoskey. And, uh, and they won, won the bid, and they invited us to go with them to go on this trip which was pretty cool. So we got to go for this weekend with this couple and, and with some other couples that were invited as well. And uh, we got to go up to Petoskey and go on this giant boat, which is apparently you call it a yacht. And uh, it, we, we went into this like special club where all these other really big fancy boats were. And uh, that's what I call them, big fancy boats. Um, I was not properly attired for this boat ride. Um, I, 
I'm like gym shorts and a t-shirt and thinking we're going on a boat, so that's what I want to wear. No, I should have been wearing like slacks and a button-down shirt and loafers of some kind. Um, I'm pretty pretty sure that's what I was supposed to have been doing. But we go on this boat and and we spend the afternoon on this boat. There's like a wait staff there with with shrimp and sandwiches and whatever we want. And then uh, there's a there's a captain who's driving the boat. And uh, we go out of Petoskey and then we go into Lake Charlevoix. Uh, which we had to take some time to get down there. And to get into Lake Charlevoix, you have to, uh, you have to either go under a bridge or through a bridge. There's a drawbridge there. And we, this boat was so big, we had to go through the bridge. So they had to bring the drawbridge bridge up. And I'm like waving to the cars that were stopping because I think I'm pretty cool. And, uh, and I'm on this really big boat. And then we're jumping off and, and going swimming and all that stuff. We get back, and uh, the people that we went with were like, hey, let's go get dinner. We made reservations for 8 o'clock in the evening, and we're going to go get dinner uh, at a restaurant here in Petoskey. And I'm thinking, okay, 8 o'clock, that's kind of late. I'm usually putting my kids to bed at that time, but let's go get dinner then. And, uh, and I'm also thinking, I know this couple. They have a little bit more expensive taste than I do. I'm just hoping and I'm praying that where we're going out to dinner is going to be like the equivalent of Applebee's, where I can, I'm sure I can pay this bill. I'm sure that, you know, I'm not going to have to mop the floors or anything like that. And so uh, we get ready to go. And again, I I dress for Applebee's and uh, we show up at this restaurant and it's nothing like Applebee's whatsoever. They had a wine cellar in, in this restaurant and that's where our reservations were. We're down in this wine cellar, just us, the, these couples and, and, and us. And, uh, and it's a fancy place to eat. And so we're down in the wine cellar, and I'm doing the whole, I'm getting my phone out discreetly, and I'm checking my bank account to see how much money is in my bank account, and seeing how many overdraft charges I'm going to incur for this meal. And then I'm calling the credit card company to see, you know, can we get a limit extension on my card because I think I'm in trouble here. Because um, I didn't want to be the guy who orders a hamburger at the fancy restaurant. Come on, guys. We can't be the guys who orders a fancy hamburger. There's no such thing at a fancy restaurant. If you're going to a fancy restaurant, you've got to eat the fancy food. That's just, a, that's, I think it's one of the mosaic laws, actually. Um, otherwise, the, the chef will spit on your hamburger. That's also true. Uh, so, I, so I order fancy food. Uh, my, my friend who, who was doing the whole thing, uh, who set up the whole thing, he's ordering appetizers and just letting all the food come, and, and he's letting us partake. And I'm like, I hope I don't have to pay for the appetizers as well, because that appetizer is like $20. That one's $20. It's like, who spends this money on this stuff? And apparently I do once in a while. <laughs> Um, and, uh, and so we get dinner and the whole time I'm putting up this front, like everything's cool with me. We're good. This is, yeah, I live this way. And, uh, and inside I'm freaking out. I'm freaking out because there's no way that I'm paying for this meal. See, it's just like that. The problem is I couldn't pay that bill. And just like that, when it comes to us and God, we as humans, we rack up quite a bill. And there's no way that we can pay that bill. 
I know for me personally, I can't pay that bill. I know who I am. I know my faults. I know I'm a selfish person. I know I care about myself sometimes more than most people. I know what my issues are. And I can't pay that bill. But thankfully, it doesn't stop there. We pick it up in verse 6, and there's a beautiful word to start verse 6. That word is but. Kids, not that kind of but. The word is but, because it always means there's something, there's an exception to this. But faith's way of getting right with God says, Don't say in your heart, who will go up to heaven to bring Christ down to earth? And don't say, who will go down to the place of the dead to bring Christ back to life again? So, yep, there's nothing we can do to pay that bill. We can't, we can't bring Christ down. We can't bring Christ down. We can't raise him up from the dead. God already did that. God already did that. We don't, there's nothing we can add to this equation. There's absolutely nothing we can add to this equation. I mentioned earlier that uh, I'm, I'm no good at cars. That's true. If I had a problem with a car, and I actually just did, I took it down to Buckley Auto Tech just this last week, little plug for them, thank you, Jim. I went down there because uh, I needed a wheel bearing. Someone told me I needed a wheel bearing, another friend of mine, I needed a wheel bearing on my, on my truck. Okay, I don't know what that does. I know my car was making a funny sound. If I were to go in there and say, hey, Jim, I'm here to help you. I'm here to help you fix my truck. Let me tell you all about Full House, the show. Will that help you? I can tell you all about the the Tanner family. That's about what this is saying. It's like, there's nothing we can do to make us right with God. We can't bring Christ down. We can't raise him up from the dead. That's about as ridiculous as me trying to fix my truck or helping someone fix my truck. I'm going to be of no help. So we have nothing else we can do but have faith. In verse 8, it goes on to say, In fact, it says the message is very close at hand. It is on your lips and in your heart. And that message is the very message about faith that we preach. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. So the solution to this problem, that we can't pay the bill, the solution, get out of the way. Jesus paid the bill. Don't make it about you. Don't make it about me. We get out of the way. We don't, we don't touch salvation. We accept salvation. There's nothing we could possibly do to earn salvation. All we do is we openly declare and believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord. That's the requirement for salvation. Confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. 
That's it. That's salvation. There's nothing else we can do. We can't add anything to it. See, my my trouble has always been, I've always tried to add to it. And this is something that I still struggle with today. Sometimes I put more importance on, on how people view me than how God views me. And so it makes me have to try to work harder, do more. I got to do something. I got to do something. I got to do something. But here's the revelation that I've had this week. I don't have to do anything. I have to confess with my mouth and believe in my heart. That's it. Done. Saved. It doesn't matter what you've done in your past. It doesn't matter how far away you've gone. All you have to do is confess and believe. It's so simple and we try to muddy it up when we get away from that simple, simple truth. Because everything goes towards, towards chaos and disorder. And it's like, well, yeah, but you don't know what I did. I don't care what you did. Confess and believe. That's it. See, I, I get this wrong so many times. And growing up, uh, growing up, I went to a, a, a lovely Baptist church. And, and my parents instilled a lot of great Christian values in my life. My dad was up here for the spark, and, and, and I love my parents. And they did the, the best that they could, and they did a fantastic job. I turned out so well. <laughs> I hope you understand that as facetious. Um, but I grew up in this Baptist church where, yeah, salvation was the only way but we're going to make sure you don't do this, you don't do this, you don't do this, and you don't do this. And so for me, growing up, it was more like, okay, salvation, but also I have to make sure that I'm not doing this, I'm not doing this, I'm not doing this. We had a, a, a slogan for that, actually, in uh, growing up in a Baptist church that we would always uh, bring out whenever we needed to, to rebuke or whatever, and it was, uh, we, don't, uh, we don't go to movies, we don't dance, we don't drink, we don't smoke, we don't chew, and if you're a guy, it says, we don't go with girls who do. (laughs) See? That was what we lived by. Okay, am I not doing this? 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 Okay, then I'm good with God. Then I'm good with God. If I don't do this, if I don't smoke, if I don't swear... And so just like me at the restaurant putting up that, that facade, that's what I started doing. Dan talked about it too. He grew up in the church too. That's what we start doing. We start putting on a facade to everyone around us to say, look, I'm good. I'm good. I don't do this. I don't drink. I don't swear. In my head, I might swear at you. But you don't have to know that. So then we think that we're good and we're doing everything that we can to earn that salvation. But then Jesus comes along again and he says, no, you don't have to do anything. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So I don't 
have to do anything. But it makes me want to do something. That's the power of the transformation of Jesus Christ. You're right. We don't have to do anything. There's no requirement for salvation except to openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. There's no requirement. But there is a response. When we trust him with our salvation, it changes our lives a little bit. Trust him that his power and his sacrifice was enough. Get the groundwork done. Trust him that what he did on the cross is enough for your sins and my sins and the sins of the entire world. Past, present, and future. Tetelestai, remember that? Trust him with your salvation. When we trust him with your salvation, we stop trying to do things. We stop trying to make sure that I'm doing this right and I'm doing that right and I'm doing this. Okay, I've got to make sure I'm doing this. Oh, shoot, I messed up there. I said a bad word here. I, I did this here. I went and saw that movie. Oh, man, God must be so mad at me. When we just trust Him with our salvation, it can change. Instead of everything being a requirement, everything is a response It's a response instead of a requirement. So I don't have to do anything. I get to do something. It's so subtle, but it's so important. If you feel like you have to do something, you're not trusting him with your salvation. But if you feel like you get to do something, that's a response to what happened. When uh, So back in Petoskey... We're going back there in the dinner. There was a really important question that was posed to us by the waitress. And she said, I'll never forget it. One of most, life's most important questions. Separate checks are all on one. <laughs> and I'm praying in that moment, Lord... Please let this all be on one and not let me be the one. Because I don't want to take out a second mortgage on my house. My friend said, it's all on one. I've got it. (sighs) Thank you. How about dessert? Let's get dessert now. I'm, I'm suddenly hungry again. All on one. In Mosaic law, before Jesus, separate checks. Separate checks. We got to sacrifice. We got to do this. We got to do that. Jesus comes down and he says, all on one. I've got it. I've got this for everybody. So we can either trust that or we can try to do something to it. Here, let me help you. Let me help you with my salvation. Jesus is like, why? 
I'm doing this. I'm taking all of the pain, all of the punishment, everything that you possibly could imagine. I'm paying for that right now. Just get out of the way and let me do this and then come back up triumphantly from the grave. That's all. So I didn't tell you this. Uh, the friend who, who took me to Petoskey, me and Leah, and then um, paid, paid for all of that. He was also my boss back when, when I lived downstate. He was my boss. You know, Monday morning, I showed up a little bit earlier for work. I worked a little bit harder. I stayed a little bit later. Was it because he required me to? No. I wanted to. He invested in me and, and, and invested in our relationship. So I was like, I want to give back to this guy. He's done so much for me. The least I can do is show up on time, maybe even a little bit early. Not complain about the work that I have to do. It was a response to what he did for me. So what's our response to Jesus? It's not that we have to do anything. And this, this, this can get troublesome sometimes. We get to. We get to come and gather together on a weekend service. We get to be a part of a weekend service. Sometimes you might feel like you're getting dragged along, like this is a requirement to be a Christian, to make sure that I get into heaven, to make sure that I have a right relationship with God. I've got to get there every single weekend. No, you don't. But why wouldn't you want to? You might think, okay, I've got to stop doing this sin, and 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 I've got to make sure that my life is as clean as possible. Guess what? No, you don't. But again, why would you want to? Because in that moment, we're spitting in the face of God. When we go back to our old ways... Why would we want to? You don't have to give your tithes and your offerings to, to, earn, to have salvation. But why wouldn't you want to? God gave everything he possibly could give for us. Why in return would we not want to give back to him? Including our talents what we're able to do. So wherever it is that you serve here at the church, give that back to God with everything you have. See, when we, when we focus on this, when we focus on our salvation only being uh, belonging to Jesus, like we trust Him with our salvation, it's not about us anymore. I'm not serving in the church so that I can get into heaven. I'm not serving in the church so that Jesus will like me more. I'm serving in the church because I'm grateful for what Jesus did for me. 
I'm giving my time. I'm telling other people about Jesus because I'm grateful for what he did for me. Not because it says so, but because I want to. I hope that's clear because it's something that I struggle with all the time. I don't have to do anything. I get to do things. I get to do things. When we understand that, it completely changes us. When it's a response instead of a requirement, it can change your life. The power of the cross is in full effect when we trust him completely with our salvation. We don't have to add anything to it. It goes on to say, in verse 11, As the scriptures tell us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Jew and Gentiles are the same in this respect. They have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's the trust. It doesn't matter if you grew up in the church. It doesn't matter if this is your first Sunday here. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Yeah, but you don't know the past that I've had. You don't know what I've done. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter if you've gone to church your entire life. You've never missed a week since the day you were born. That's not good enough. It's not good enough. It doesn't matter if you serve at the food pantry or you're, ser- you're serving in community meals or you're serving on the hub team or the cafe team or the usher team or the band or the, or, or the production team or tab kids or firehouse. None of that matters. All that matters is if we openly declare that Jesus is Lord And believe in our hearts. That's the way to salvation. And when we understand that, everything else becomes a response. Things that we get to do. And then you know what happens? Joy. Love. Peace. Patience. Kindness. Gentleness. Faithfulness. Self-control. I'm missing one somewhere. fruits of the spirit when we get to instead of we have to so the effect of this we had the problem which is we can't pay that bill the solution is get out of the way Jesus paid the bill the effect is freedom freedom The effect is freedom. When we understand that this is not something that you have to do, but you get to do. You could leave here and not want to do any of it. But why? You get to. And it's hard to explain what what this freedom looks like. Sometimes uh, it's hard to, to describe what this freedom in Christ looks like. And, and there's no good way to describe it. But yesterday, I got to see it. Just a little bit. A glimpse of it. You know, Jesus tells us to become like children. 
in our faith. To become like children. Have you ever watched a child do anything? They are so carefree, almost to their detriment, because <laughs> they run headfirst into sharp corners. But Jesus asks us to become like children. Children are so free. They don't care about what people think about them. They don't care about what they have to do. They don't like doing what they have to do. Do you know what, like, what they like to do? What they get to do. There's so much freedom in a child. And that's why God says, become like a child in your faith. When you're singing songs, don't worry about what's, what's happening around you. Don't worry about the distractions of people coming and going and, and, and this cell phone going off and that cell phone going off. Focus on Him. Be free to worship Jesus. It's why we gather together. So yesterday, uh, we were over at my parents' house in the afternoon and, and um, Lila, she's going to turn six on Tuesday. She's one of the most carefree children uh, that I've met. And she'll, she loves to sing. She'll sing anywhere. She'll sing any song. She'll make her, her own songs. She just loves to sing. And it doesn't matter when, where, or how. And I caught a glimpse of that. And that's what this freedom looks like. So yesterday she was taking a bath in my parents' house because... She likes that bathtub better for some reason. So, like, we get over there, and she's always like, can I take a bath? And they're like, uh, sure, I guess. So she's, she goes and takes a bath, and, and, and the door was shut, and I could hear her singing as loud as she possibly could. That's what freedom looked like. And so I took my phone out, and I recorded the audio. And I'll play it for you guys real quick, because I want you to know what freedom can look like. If you can play that clip. Screaming, singing at the top of her lungs to be our Savior. I didn't teach her that. I, I, I wish I could say that we sing worship songs all the time at home. It's not true. She had the freedom yesterday to make up some song about Jesus and that He is her savior. She trusts him with her salvation. She doesn't trust her dad, her mom, her grandparents. She trusted Jesus. If you would bow your heads with me. To the Christian in the room, I just want to stay. Stop trying to add things to, to the requirements 
of what's needed for your salvation. And I'm talking to myself. Let's focus on trusting Jesus with our salvation. Let's trust Jesus with our salvation. Let's, let's have an attitude where we get to do things. Let's let it be a response instead of a requirement. And watch the joy fill up in your life. To the non-Christian in the room, maybe you've never accepted this, this gift that Jesus is offering. Maybe you've never accepted what he did for you on the cross. Maybe this morning you think that, uh, that you've done way too much bad things in your life to, to, to let Jesus forgive you. But the scripture tells us that anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So this morning, right there in your seat, you can do that. You can say, Lord, I trust you with my salvation. I'm going to trust you with my salvation. I'm going to trust that that's enough for me. That I don't have to do anything else. That this is not... A, a requirement, a list of things that I have to do. All I have to do is openly declare that you are Lord and believe in my heart that God raised you from the dead. And that's it. I invite you to do that because we have a mighty Savior. Jesus came as a mighty Savior, not as a mighty condemner. Jesus didn't come down to condemn. Jesus came down to save. I invite you to accept the invitation and that gift this morning.